Good morning, class! For today's history lesson, we're going to talk about someone very important. The President of the United States of America. Now, I'm sure a lot of your parents have told you that maybe one day you'll grow up to be the President. I want to let you know right now that that is a lie. Not one of you in this class will ever be President. Hello and welcome to the Almost President's Podcast weekly coverage of the 2024 presidential election. In a crowded primary field full of losers, or almost presidents, we're here to keep you up to speed on the news that you need to know. On today's episode, since as a nation we're well past the point of shame, embarrassment, and consideration of the dignity of the office of the president, Trump is launching a new line of NFTs, and there's a reason that you've got to collect them all. House Republicans have launched an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden because of Hunter and stuff. I don't know. We'll figure it out after we do the whole impeaching thing. When talking with Elon Musk, Alex Jones, and Andrew Tate, Vivek Ramaswamy shows that it's actually better to be pissed on than pissed off. And Vivek lands the endorsement and support of a potential super PAC and what that might mean for his presidential campaign. More trouble for Ron DeSantis' presidential campaign when people from the Never Back Down Super PAC seem to keep backing down. And to conclude, feeling the Burgum in memory of the Doug Burgum campaign. So starting with Trump's new NFTs, Kevin, I'm sure you heard about this. I think it blew up the internet. Trump is trying to make the day of his arrest at the courthouse at Fulton County, Georgia, a... Uh, day of historical significance by adding pieces of his suit and tie that he wore to the jail when he got his mugshot as a incentive to buying all 47 of his NFTs, which would cost you $4,653 to do so. Yeah. I mean, I think we heard this when originally he got the mugshot, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, the people are going to sell T-shirts. It's going to be this big thing. And this is that, but in the modern era, right? I th if this had happened in the 60s, maybe he would have sold T-shirts. But nowadays, I guess the thing you sell instead of T-shirts is NFTs. And yeah, clearly that's what he's doing. Uh, I, I think it's from Trump's perspective, it's a probably good business move. He'll probably make money off of it. I do think it kind of highlights why maybe you didn't need to get his mugshot in the first place. I don't think anybody at this point is having a hard time recognizing Donald Trump. I think he's probably more recognizable than Jesus Christ at this point. So I do think in Georgia, they probably didn't need his his mugshot that badly. And maybe they should have made a slight exception just so that this exact thing wouldn't happen. I mean, look, they are already making T-shirts. I think you can even buy on Trump's campaign website Christmas stockings that have that mugshot on it. You can buy it on a coffee cup. You can buy it on anything that you want. What I guess didn't surprise me, though, was the fact that you would think instinctively, oh, well, the Democrats are going to love this. The left is going to eat this up. They're going to be the one cranking out the the content, the, the materials and making money off of this. No, it's the right. It's the right. The right cannot get enough of this mugshot. They want it on everything. And it's proof that Trump is basically their embodiment of almost like a Christ-like figure. I mean, he he has them sold in this whole idea of like, look, I'll take on the deep state so that you don't have to. I'll accept martyrdom from Joe Biden's weaponized justice system so that you don't have to worry about them coming after you when you and Kevin, I'm sure this is relatable to everyone, hoard classified documents and refuse to give them back to the federal government, take part in a plot to overthrow the results of a free and fair election, incite an insurrection at the Capitol because you're a winner. You win. You can't possibly lose because then you'd be a loser. And so you send your army of unfuckable hate nerds to storm the Capitol because you can't accept the fact that you lost and you're a loser since your whole identity is based around winning. Pause for a breath. Face allegations of sexual assault from multiple women. Falsify business records so you can pay hush money to that porn star, you know, the one that you cheated on your spouse with. Trump is protecting everyone from all of those things. Like DeSantis says, I'll take the shots, I'll take the slings, I'll take the arrows. And so he's kind of posed as the, <laughs> this like Messiah adjacent figure for them. 
Yeah, that, that's what they always say, right, is uh, they're really coming after you and I'm just standing in the way. And yeah, of course, I steal that many classified documents before breakfast in the morning. Who can stop a person from doing that? That's it makes good reading material. Yeah, it's basically the same as, I don't know, hanging an air freshener in your window, which is apparently uh, in the window of your car, which is apparently also illegal. So, yeah, it's true. It's all just, you know, it's all just a you can't hang an air freshener in your car anymore. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) No, it's 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 I okay. I heard this when I was in high school. I believe it. It's always been a thing. It's technically illegal because it's obstructing your view. And uh, I was told this because it's apparently one of those things that cops can get you on if they if you piss them off. It's it's like sort of like trap card where they don't ever act on it, but technically they can at any time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if they pull you over and they're kind of looking for a reason to get your license or registration and everything. It can be like, Oh, you have an app, but, but that just makes me wonder, like that's a whole industry in the toilet. I mean, what are those air fresheners folks? I mean, they're doing, they're running yeah. an illegal business. They're telling people that they can hang these things in their car when legally they can't. Yeah. But that's wild. I, and, and who knows, listen, I didn't look this up. I just heard this in my high school driving class. So I assumed it was true. Maybe my high school driving teacher lied to me. That's possible. But Ever since then, I have only bought those ones that get inserted into the air conditioner rather than the ones that hang in your window. So that's how paranoid I guess I am. Which, let's be honest, those are more effective anyway. They are, yeah, because you get basically they're basically blowing through the whole time, yeah. But anyways, bringing this back around to uh, to Trump, I know you were saying that you thought this was something the left was going to run with, but instead the right basically ran with it, but. When you think about it, I mean, this is basically Trump's whole shtick is something that should be embarrassing and should be a non-starter for a presidential candidate and something that the other side should run with and slander his campaign for is a point of pride and his supporters wear it like a badge of honor. That's what he's been doing this whole time, right? (laughs) This whole thing should have ended with the... uh, the tapes, right? The original tapes where he openly bragged about sexually assaulting women. Yeah, access but, Hollywood. But it had the reverse effect. It strengthened his res- his support in the party. It didn't weaken it. So, yeah, I'm I'm not that surprised. You know, I mean, I I could see why you would think that this is something that left wing people would be like, haha, Trump is getting arrested. But I'm not surprised that it's a big selling point on the right. And it's working so well for him, isn't it? I mean, he is far and away. I mean, he's he's not even. Like he's already essentially taking on Joe Biden. He's got nothing to worry about with these this primary field. I mean, they're a bunch of goofballs, but like either way, he is just so far and away ahead. And I, I mean, I feel like we've just been repeating this like a broken record. I can't see anything happening, barring you know an act of God to change that at all. I mean, he's just got, and and that's why I almost think with this. I mean, it's just it shows how in tune he is with his base. I mean, I'm not sure how the NFTs are doing. They might not be doing that well, but like the whole idea of using the fabric from his suit as almost like this holy relic. I mean, he has his fingers on the pulse of that base. I think that that's what they want. They want to own a piece of that day. And I think at bottom, this is his instincts as a businessman. He's one thing he's probably going to be right about in the end is that this will be a net moneymaker for him. You know, whatever this whole NFT thing. He'll probably make a ton of money off of it. And in that sense, it'll have been a win. So, you know, it might not catapult him to the White House. I think there's some evidence to suggest that him actually being indicted for felonious crimes will hurt him with like moderates and independents. But he's going to make a lot of money in the process. So I think in that sense, he's going to have been correct. Yeah, and I want to quote this Rolling Stone piece because whoever wrote it put it in a really funny way because <laughs> Trump refers in the promo for it as this arrest day suit being the most historically significant artifact in U.S. history. And the author of this Rolling Stone article writes, quote, take a hike, Gabe Lincoln's top hat, get lost, Star Spangled Banner, Neil Armstrong's spacesuit, throw it in the trash. That junk can't hold a candle to a suit so priceless so historically significant, it was torn into 2,204 little pieces, or sorry, 2,024 little pieces. So the former president 
can make some quick cash off trading cards. But here's my issue with that. I mean, it's it, like, yeah, it's, it's funny and all, but like Trump is a known con man. He's a known, I mean, I was literally just watching like, this was from re- the real Donald Trump on Instagram, a video where he's joking about never having drank beer before, like a video from his Instagram of him lying. And it's a joke. I don't trust that I'd be getting a real piece of that suit. I don't know. Even like when I think about like my favorite NBA players or my favorite moments in the NBA, like Michael Jordan's flu game, like let's say that like there's a trading card with like a piece of that jersey. First of all, disgusting. He wore that when he was sweaty as hell and sick as a dog. And also, how many other people want a piece of that jersey? I'm not getting the real Trump suit. Get out of here. I wouldn't trust that. Yeah, and to speak of, you know, Donald Trump's many sort of cons, I think, you know, I'm a big fan of the rapper Kendrick Lamar, and I always say about him that even some of his worst songs, if you just gave them to anybody else, they would be masterpieces, they would be the best song that person ever wrote, even like his worst songs. And I think with Donald Trump it's kind of the same way where even his most forgettable scams if anybody else had done them, they would be in prison right now. Like I remember back in 2020, he got caught. Basically, there was a box in his donations for his like page on, on his like website where it was automatically checked to sign you up for recurring donations. And the box was like hidden. So it was kind of hard to see so that tons of old people basically accidentally got signed up for recurring donations. And they got a ton of money like sucked out of their bank accounts because they didn't know that they were, had signed up for recurring donations. And if anybody else had done that, like if Barack Obama had done that, it, it would have been the end of the world. But Donald Trump, we just kind of forget about it because there's just so much news to talk about with him that things just get forgotten amongst the stacks and stacks and stacks of scandals, lies, scams, whatever it may be. And yeah, I think this will probably be another one. I almost guarantee you that they will rip up pieces of fabric that are not from that suit. They will buy more suits, rip the fabric off and sell that as well. Because why wouldn't they do that? It just make it makes perfect sense. And they don't have the moral grounding to be like, oh, we don't want to lie to people. Of course, they're fine with lying to people or lying to people. They lie to people all the time. That's the whole nature of the campaign. So I agree. I think that um, there's a good chance that if you are paying for this, you are not actually getting a suit that Donald Trump wore on that day. But if you are or if you aren't, apparently you're paying $4,653 in order to get that. So, wow. Which at that point, I guess you're already a big enough chump that it doesn't really matter. (laughs) Yeah. So listeners, you can go to... I feel like such a dirtbag promoting this. It's for the joke. It's it's for your own. It'll give you a chuckle to start your day. Collecttrumpcards.com is where you can see them. The only reason I'm saying that is because Kevin and I have a picture of a few of them and we're going to talk about them since this is an audio medium. Um, you would have to like pull them up or, or maybe we'll post them on our social media. But uh, Kevin, <laughs> I have a picture of four of them. My goodness. I mean, they only get better. Yeah, they are hilarious, I will say. So the one, I mean, the one is is an obvious one, and I'm almost upset that we didn't think of this when we were recommending Trump NFTs. And it's Trump sitting in the chair that Abraham Lincoln is sitting in at the Lincoln Memorial, which is probably my favorite uh, next to the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial in Washington, D.C. So just completely desecrating that. <laughs> and... Um, it says, I stand with Trump. Um, and he's, don't worry, he's got the tie going all the way down to his ball bag. So it's it's legit. And another one, right? Imagine if Barack Obama had done that or if Joe Biden had done that. It would have been a huge scandal for Republicans. But, you know, Donald Trump puts himself in the place of Abraham Lincoln in a pose which is modeled off of Zeus, right? Like, which is modeled off of a god. Yeah, I, I don't think it would have gone over super well, but it is a super obvious one. I don't know why we didn't come up with this when we were coming up with Trump NFTs. Yeah, what was that? Our like year, our year anniversary show or whatever. 
something like that. And Kevin, as far as this whole game of like, oh, imagine if so-and-so politician did this thing that Trump is doing, you could do it all day. So I would just say, yeah, you're right. You're right. Don't even worry about it. You know, it's, yeah, you're right in every count. Before you even bring it up, you're correct. But I like this one here with Donald Trump. He's in the background and in the foreground, there's all these horses running and he's wearing a cowboy hat, this big white bucket hat, almost like the hat that Doug Dimmodome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome, would wear, although not quite as tall. And I think that one's so funny because I don't think Donald Trump has ever worn a cowboy hat in his life, unless he actually wore that one to pose for that picture, which I don't even believe he did because it's probably just made by AI or something. Yeah, so I, I like that one. I think that one's the funniest. I always love the ones where Donald Trump is trying to pretend that he is a salt of the earth Midwestern man when he grew up in like Manhattan. And this one says never surrender. And of course, yeah, like you said in the background, the famous Texan, Donald J. Trump. If you zoom in, it's, it's kind of grainy, but I believe it says welcome to Mara County instead of Mar-a-Lago. So a little bit of humor there. I mean- Look, my favorite is the Trump cyborg one because I <laughs> I can see the utility in the Abraham Lincoln one making that comparison, right? 47 is at the base of the chair. I can see the utility in the cowboy one. Even to a certain extent, I could see the utility in the comic book suit of armor, shield with swords and stuff. Trump, what's this cyborg one? What's the – like – it says never surrender on the bottom. What am I supposed to make of cyborg Trump? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're one of these people who are afraid of uh, New World Order and all that stuff, this could be a potential negative because Donald Trump is appearing as a cyborg, right? Donald Trump has been replaced by a body double, a cyborg who's actually controlling the country. And who is the cyborg controlled by? I don't know. Could be uh, what the World Economic Forum or something. George Soros. I mean, to be fair, cyborgs are right, part human, part robot. So, I mean, if they find ways to create cyborg-like enhancements to Trump, I mean, this could definitely increase his lifespan. So maybe the appeal of this would be that he would be quite literally not dictator for life, but dictator for eternity, or at least as long as America is around. So I guess that could be potentially the appeal of that. We don't have to worry about this guy going anywhere. He'll be our dictator forever. Yeah, that's probably a good point. And you don't want one of his fail sons to take over the industry one day. So I think that's one of the tough parts about being a big fan of Donald Trump is one day you have to accept that like Eric Trump or <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. would have to take over for him. And that's just a disaster because the other I can't remember his daughter's name. Is it Lara? Lara? It's not Lara, is it? I don't remember. But I don't think she's on good terms with him right now from what I understand. So I don't think she's going to be taking over. And she's the only one with two brain cells to rub together in that family. So. Yeah, Ivanka, right? Ivanka, that's it, yeah. All right, so moving on from there, this is one that I'm trying to figure out genuinely. The and you're House, not alone in that. Yeah, the House GOP, I mean, the House voted strictly along party lines with all the Republicans voting to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, all the Democrats voting against it, and it's because of business deals going on with with hunter and some money and things like that i mean it's it, it just seems like they have this sneaking suspicion and so they're launching it now in hopes that they'll find the answers once it gets going i don't get it yeah well I, like i said you're not alone in that it seems like the actual leadership doesn't get it either a lot of people have been saying that well you know if there's something there we're going to find it which that's something you're supposed to do before you impeach. You're supposed to actually know that. Um, I, I could have understood that when they launched like a I think they launched a probe a while back. And, you know, fair enough if you're like, OK, well, we want to investigate this to see if there's something there. But if you don't think there's something there or, you, or if you're not sure if there's something there, I don't think that you should be launching the impeachment inquiry. Right. Yeah. And like you literally have a situation where. So Republican Robert Adderholt of Alabama was quoted by NBC News as saying that, quote, if nothing's there, then nothing's there. If something's there, then something's there. Doesn't seem like you have a clue what you're looking for. And then my favorite is Republican Representative Troy Nels, 
who, when asked what he's hoping to gain from the impeachment inquiry, he says, quote, all I can say is Donald J. Trump 2024, baby. And I think that about sums it up as best as anyone can. Which is a pretty glaring admission, right? Because the whole reason you're doing the impeachment inquiry is to launch the political campaign of your ally. That's kind of not what that was supposed to be for, right? Yeah. And then another, um, before we get to the president himself, uh, Representative Ken Buck from Colorado uh, said, well, at first he was leaning no on the inquiry, just on the basis of the fact that what he was seeing, the facts before him didn't support moving forward with it. Of course, winds up voting yes, because lockstep, let's go. There is no spine in the Republican Party anymore. Hasn't been for a pretty long time now. But the NBC uh, news article says, quote, Republicans have long insisted that then Vice President Biden pushed to get Viktor Shokin fired because the Ukrainian prosecutor was investigating the Ukrainian gas company linked to Hunter Biden. But on Tuesday, Buck pointed out that the Obama administration, European officials, even GOP senators all wanted Shokin gone at the time. This is Buck saying, quote, all these groups were saying this prosecutor should be fired and we're saying, oh, wait a second, Hunter Biden got some money. Therefore, the only reason Joe Biden asked for this guy to be fired is because of the money. It just isn't where the facts are going. Frankly, I was disappointed to see this about Ken Buck, that he is voting yes on this, just because I actually know a bit about Ken Buck. I do like him. I've listened to him in quite a few interviews. I obviously disagree with him on a lot of things, but he does seem like a pretty level-headed guy. And yeah, what he says here is totally true. Victor Shokin was massively corrupt. Everyone knew it. Even Republicans at the time knew this. They all backed the firing of Shokin. Nobody at the time questioned it. And so to me, it's pretty concerning that this is the evidence that they're leading for, that Joe Biden was acting in a corrupt manner with regard to his son. Because if this is the thing that you're painting as like the leading evidence that is the reason why you're going into the impeachment inquiry, it tells me that you have nothing better. And this piece here, it's garbage. It doesn't lead to anything like he's saying. And you don't have to trust him. You can go and find statements from the GOP at the time. Everyone thought this guy was corrupt. So there has to be something better if Joe Biden was actually acting favorably towards Ukraine because of his son's involvement with a Ukrainian business. And it just doesn't seem to be the case at all. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And, you know, on a more serious note, I think it's kind of sad to see that impeachment is this is kind of a sign to me that impeachment is going to be used in a just nakedly political manner going forward. And, you know, you're just going to have people impeaching the president just because they don't like him rather than because there's actually some sort of high crime or misdemeanor present, you know, demands an impeachment. You're absolutely correct. And that's why I was even willing to see the side that some of the Democrats were arguing when it came to not kicking uh, George Santos out of the house, kind of saying, well, look, George Santos is who he is, but we have to realize that everything we're doing here is setting a precedent. And if we kick somebody out of the house just because we don't like him and that there are some bad things going on that are under investigation, but the jury's still out, like quite literally – I mean, we are setting a dangerous precedent, and I think the same thing goes for the president. So it's, yeah, it's. I agree with everything you're saying. It's ugly business, and if this were just a bunch of Republicans with too much time on their hands, I get it. They get into trouble, but there is so much going on in the world. There are so many things that they could be doing to better use their time in session than this. So in reaction, the president, he said a lot of things, but the meat and bones of it came when he said, quote, instead of doing anything to help make Americans' lives better, they are focusing on attacking me with lies. Instead of doing their job on the urgent work that needs to be done, they are choosing to waste time on this baseless political stunt that even Republicans in Congress admit is not supported by facts. But as I'm reading this, what I'm starting to wonder, Kevin, maybe you have some thoughts about this, is... Do they ultimately, the Republicans, not care about what this turns up at all? They just know that Joe Biden isn't Teflon Don. His approval rating is in the shitter, and this will not do anything to help at all. It will only hurt. 
and it's probably already hurting because a lot of Americans polled on this think that there should be an impeachment investigation into Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, I think that's got to be part of the calculation. And I don't know if they're making the right calculation. I mean, what you're saying could be true. I mean, Joe Biden could be in a particularly precarious situation right now. Obviously, his approval rating is not great. However, in the case of Bill Clinton, I think most people agree that the impeachment actually helped him in the elections. It actually helped Democrats in the elections because most people thought they were politically motivated. And I wonder if this won't be the case here, especially if you have Republicans admitting publicly that they don't have anything here, that they don't actually have a case to make. And I also think that the cost of a failed impeachment is something that you should weigh, right? And this impeachment will fail. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm sure a lot of the Republicans, if pressed, would even admit that this will definitely fail. And so I think there's there's a problem there too, which once this impeachment fails, people are going to read that as, oh, Joe Biden's innocent. And so I don't know that the optical calculation plays in their favor in the way that they think it does. Although it could be a special case just because Joe Biden is in a particularly weak place electorally. You're raising a good point, though, about how this trickles down to the competitive races in 2024 other than the presidential race. And this will give the Republicans something to take home to their constituents. But this will also give people looking to run from their for their seat from the other party something to use as campaign fodder. So we'll see how it plays out. I'd be interested to see if we don't perhaps, like you're saying, have another 2022 midterms on our hands. I guess we'll see. All right. So let's move on to something a little bit more relatable that perhaps Trump can relate to, um, and that's golden showers. So Vivek Ramaswamy, trust me, Kevin, this is a better story to hear than to read. And the reason is because they hosted an X Spaces the day that Alex Jones was reinstated onto X, formerly known as Twitter. And Vivek was on a call with Alex Jones, Elon Musk, Andrew Tate, among others, and he got up to pee and didn't turn off his mic um, <laughs> to uh, set the stage X, or as I like to call it, the safe space for white edge lords looking for that dopamine rush that comes from tweeting a racial slur. Um, according to The Guardian, here's essentially how it went down. So Elon Musk, quote, was in the midst of describing how he is super pro-human. And I mean all humans, uh, you know, humans in America, which is a great quote in and of itself. When the sound of trickling water spurred another participant to cut him off. Vivek, Vivek, that's your phone, Vivek, the participant said. I'm not able to mute you. And then you hear Alex Jones come on and say, someone's got their thing open being. Someone's got their phone open in the bathroom. And Vivek comes on and says, sorry about that. And the host of the call says, that's your phone, Vivek. I'm not able to mute you. Musk says, well, I hope you feel better now. Ramaswamy laughing says, I feel great. Thank you. So two things. First of all, what do you think of this moment? Um, perhaps keeping in mind a few factors. So like I said, this X space happened the same day that Alex Jones was reinstated on X, formerly known as Twitter. And also on the call was accused human trafficker, Andrew Tate. Um, and second, does this bring back any memories of working remotely during the pandemic? And if so, I mean, you've hosted these calls just like I have, at least as far as Zoom and Google Meet go, and even Zencaster, what we're talking on now. How fucking easy is it to mute someone when you're hosting a call? You can't easily do that on X Spaces? Like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't really delved into X Spaces too much. I have, I've been on a few, but I've never spoken or hosted one. And uh, I, d I don't know to be to answer your question. I don't know if you can actually mute someone if you're the host. The thing is, after Elon Musk took over Twitter, it really did go downhill significantly. None of his supporters want to admit this, but it massively went downhill in terms of quality. The user interface has gotten worse. There's lots more bugs. It's just it's a much more garbage program. So I really would not be surprised if in a Twitter space you could not mute 
a participant if you're the host of the call, which obviously you should be able to do for obvious reasons. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was not possible. To answer your uh, your first question, yeah, I think that this is still not the worst X space for a presidential candidate. That award still to me goes to Ron DeSantis, which was still a, a fantastic and ridiculous moment. Fair. But um, for me, I guess when it comes to working remotely, I will say I would never do this specifically, but it is my worst nightmare that some something happens and I'm not paying attention and the the my mic is not muted. It certainly happened to me where I've been like kind of zoned out and then I notice, oh, I've been not on mute this whole time. Like, did I did I talk to myself or something while I was not on mute and then people heard and just didn't say anything? So this is kind of like my worst nightmare. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely a bad time to to go to the little boys room. God, there were so many. That, that brings me back, though. There were so many people during the pandemic working remotely who accidentally got themselves in a lot of trouble. Right. I mean, there were people who were sharing their screen and forgot to stop sharing their screen and then went to look at some heinous shit. There were people who forgot to turn their cameras off and were in their underwear. I think that one happened like a ton to a ton of people. I mean, it just screwed some people. Um, And some of them you felt bad for, most of them you didn't. But nonetheless, I suppose if you're a free speech absolutist like Musk and many folks on X claim to be, you got to listen to it all. And that includes the sound of another man peeing. Apparently so. And I really wouldn't be surprised if that was the reasoning why you are not able to mute people on the X spaces is just for the free speech reasons, which is obviously so silly. But I know there was a brief moment where and, you know, I, I happen to be on X because I run the podcast and I do some some stuff on X, which if you are listening, you should check out. It's one of the only X space is left. That's sane, I guess. But yeah, so Musk basically just randomly tweets out policy ideas for the site and then completely goes back on them. So like he'll tweet out that, for example, one time he tweeted out that it was going to be impossible to block people going forward, which obviously is a problem, right? Lots of people like to be able to block people. There's lots of crazy people on the Internet. And he tweeted this out. He said he was going to do it. And then he just kind of never did it. And people were left wondering, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? And there were probably there have probably been about a dozen of cases like that where he tweets out, this is how I'm going to change Twitter going forward. And he just never does it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of those things and I just didn't hear about it. I don't even know. I mean, he is single handedly ruining that platform. And it's it's wild. But I mean, I guess to put a bow on this Vivek Ramaswamy I mean he he really pisses a lot of people off me included and I think in this way the king of 8chan clapped back by pissing on all of us so perhaps hats off to you Vivek so speaking of Vivek the man continues to rack up very important endorsements so yeah, Vivek has secured the endorsement of a very influential pack, the Paul Brothers Pack, and I'm speaking of course of Jake and Logan Paul. The pack is is facetious. There's not actually a uh, Paul Brothers Pack. Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, it's just true. It's still a business idea. So influencer Jake Paul of the Paul Brothers said he got GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy to join TikTok. And the two collaborated on a short clip that featured them bouncing up and down. I don't know. I, I did see this. It's very weird. I feel like that's the perfect description of it, too. That That's Business Insider described it as that. Featured them bouncing up and down. I mean, I guess that's most TikToks in a nutshell. Yeah, basically. And so anyways, long story short, he formed a relationship with the Paul brothers through that clip and probably through various other engagements. And uh He earned their endorsement, um, which, of course, you know, ironically, one of Ramaswamy's views is that the voting age should be raised to 25, which would mean most of the Paul Brothers' fans would uh, be prohibited from voting. And most of them probably already are, to be fair. But the ones who are 18 to 25 would would thereby be banned from uh, voting. So that's kind of funny. 
yeah, I guess there's a hint of irony there. And it was wild too, because Jake Paul actually invited Vivek to sit ringside at one of his boxing matches where he had a, a knockout of Andre August. I, I don't really know. I don't watch uh, boxing, but he was even in the kind of, I guess there's not locker rooms, but like what, where Jake Paul was getting ready for the fight. Vivek was right there. They were filming content. Vivek even walked out with Jake Paul as part of his entourage. And there's also some footage that his brother Logan took, who was sitting right next to Vivek of them freaking out when Jake Paul knocked him out. So, I mean, ultimately, I, I guess that's it. I mean, the Paul brothers, I would say they're probably worth close to, I believe I looked this up, net worth like 200 mil. Um, and I think some of that money comes from like a very rare Pokemon card that they have or something like that. They collect Pokemon cards for hundreds of thousands of dollars, like for one card, which is insane. People are starving in the world. But that money adds up. And look, I mean, if these guys want to form a political action committee, I'm not sure what they would call it, but it seems like it would be supporting Vivek. Yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily the best strategy, but in fairness, it wouldn't be far off from what Vivek's strategy has been all along, which is to appeal to edgy weirdos on the internet. Um, In this case, I don't know if all these weirdos are actually of voting age. At least, you know, I, I... I'm getting old, so I could be wrong here. But when I I recall the Paul brothers being very big with like 10 to 13 year olds. So so I don't know if that's still the case or not. I know Logan Paul has tried to pivot towards being one of these like business bros kind of thing. And Jake Paul is obviously doing boxing, which apparently he's quite good at. That's is, is from what I've heard. But but yeah, so I, I don't know if this is the best strategy, but hey, I guess you take what you can get when you're in uh, Vivek's p- position here. And ultimately, I mean, he's running for president as a Republican. So even if he does wind up with a spot in Trump's cabinet or if he winds up running for the Senate or the House or something like that, you got to know how to fight if you're a Republican in Congress. So at least he's getting up close and personal and kind of seeing how the pros do it in the ring. And then just in talking about the fact that like it might be an interesting strategy getting the endorsement of the Paul brothers, I think when it comes to any of these candidates running against Trump, just having a strategy, even if it's not a good one, even if it's not a winning one, just having a strategy is a good thing, I guess. I mean, it's certainly better than what's going on in DeSantis land right now. Kevin, did you want to bring us into that? Yeah, nothing brings me more joy than talking about DeSantis's floundering campaign. And so you know, last week, if you tuned in with us, we got some bad news about the DeSantis camp or good news if you're like us. And of course, that was that Never Back Down had canceled what seemed to be a quite important donor luncheon because they didn't have enough donors to go to the luncheon. And uh, this time around, Never Back Down, the Ron DeSantis Super PAC lost another key strategist, a guy named Jeff Rowe who backed down from any involvement with the Super PAC in reaction to a story in the Washington Post detailing the oh-so-American tragedy that is the Ron DeSantis presidential campaign and its relationship with the Never Back Down PAC. So quoting from an article from NBC here, Roe has delivered stunning victories in the past, but this doesn't seem to be his time, quote, unquote. DeSantis donor Dan Eberhardt said, Quote, Governor DeSantis wants to head into the final stretch with his loyalists, not necessarily nationally known operatives with presidential campaign experience per se. Unquote. And the writing had been on the wall for some time as people close to DeSantis took more control of the super PAC in recent weeks and dismissed several of Rose's lieutenants. In the past month or so, Never Back Down has had three CEOs, which is quite a lot. And including Roe, four top officials have resigned and three others, according to the Washington Post, were fired, unquote. And so that's from the NBC article there. And yeah, I mean, you got to wonder if the donor there, Dan Eberhardt, if his logic holds, is it a good strategy to go into the final stretch only with your loyalists and not with probably some of the smartest people that were working on your campaign? I don't know. So I think there's a big question there. What is Ron's strategy at this point? So any thoughts on that, Ryan? What, what do you think Ron is? What do you think Ron is thinking here? I really don't know. I mean, what I do know is that when it rains on DeSantis's head, 
the rest of us get to see rainbows later in the day. So I do like this story for that reason, but I cannot think of, and you know, I'm not one of the people that get paid to do this, but I cannot think of a winning strategy for this guy at this point. I mean, it seems so ridiculous that they keep sniping at each other when Trump is so far ahead in the polls. I mean, I think DeSantis now is dumping so much money into attacking Haley and Haley's dumping so much money into attacking DeSantis. I mean, maybe somebody could explain it to me, but I think that they all need to be going after Trump. Yeah. And I think that should be a no brainer in a normal political campaign, but obviously we're not there. Trump is sort of arguably not campaigning. Arguably he is. He is. Um, he, I mean, he's campaigning, but he seems to be skipping straight to the general, Yes, which, which just seems to be uh, something he can do at this point. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess these, these two are fighting over the scraps when they should be fighting to figure, when they should figure out who the real contender is and fight the incumbent. Right. And I mean, I know everybody says it's a given for Donald Trump that he is going to win the nomination. And I think that he will win the nomination. But I mean, if you if you look at all of the combined opponents to Donald Trump pooling their support, then you actually have a serious contender, right? Like you have someone who has like 40 percent of the vote, which is not enough to win, but it's enough to be actually a bit of a threat. And so because they're all fighting over scraps here, I don't think anybody actually really has a chance to compete with Trump when not. I'm not saying that they would compete well or would win. But if there was one contender who everybody threw their weight behind, there might actually be some kind of shot. Yeah. And as far as what the numbers that are coming back from Iowa that are coming back from national polls are saying, DeSantis should be the guy that everybody drops out and puts their support behind from a numbers perspective. But I I was actually listening to this interesting episode of uh, The Run-Up where the uh, journalist uh, said Hernan was talking to Republicans who didn't plan on voting for Trump about who they thought that they'd want to put their support behind. And a lot of them were saying about DeSantis that like he's running from the right of Trump. <laughs> and we're looking for somebody who's, who's a little bit more conservative than Trump. I mean, this guy's running from the right of Trump. Forget it. I mean, that's, a lot of that stuff is too much. I think some strategists have pointed this out, but he's basically running the campaign that Ted Cruz ran in 2016, where he's making the argument that actually Trump's not a true conservative and I am a true conservative. And so you should vote for me. And look how that worked out for uh, flying Ted, as I like to call him. It, it, you know, he didn't he didn't win. I mean, he, I guess he picked up a couple states, but I think that's probably what will happen to DeSantis here. I think a big question for me at this point and I maybe this is the only question left for the DeSantis campaign. But when DeSantis folds, does he endorse Trump or does he endorse Haley? I would be interested to know. Or maybe he endorses nobody, which which is possible. I, I hadn't even thought of that, honestly. I would be interested to see. Typically, I think most of the time people don't endorse candidates in the primary because they don't want to piss off someone in the party and it's just not worth it. Uh, that has been something that people have gone back on in the past couple elections, mostly because of Trump and Bernie Sanders. A lot of people endorsed Biden during the primary when they like dropped out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see if DeSantis decides to make a bold move. I kind of doubt it. Yeah. And on its nose, the whole Trump is not a true conservative argument is correct. It's just that nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear it. I mean, he's at rallies using Putin's sound bites, you know, as as uh, meaningful critiques of American democracy, singing the praises of Viktor Orban and talking about how well he got along with Kim Jong-un and how Kim Jong-un doesn't like Biden. So, yeah, this guy is – the whole Ronald Reagan thing makes me nauseous, how, how often they laud his his virtues – but yeah, a, a Reagan Republican would be rolling in their fucking grave. I mean, there are some that are still alive, obviously. And I, I wonder what they have to say about this. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it's pretty wild that we're not so far off from the George Bush era of the Republican Party. And yet we have a Republican 
presumptive nominee who nobody in the party can compete with even slightly. And he's cozying up to Kim Jong-un of the Communist Party of North Korea. It's just wild. (laughs) It truly is a wild time. All right, folks. And speaking of wild times, let's perhaps bring the temperature down a little bit, but keep the energy up with our segment, Feeling the Burgum, in memory of the 2024 Doug Burgum campaign. So Kevin, I realize in hindsight, and uh, we I think we talked about this as soon as we got off the mics after we recorded last week's uh, weekly show, <laughs> that I was so high on Doug's supply. I was so full of Burgum on last week's version of this segment that I didn't really even clearly give an explanation as to what it means to feel the Burgum. So for those of you who didn't join Kevin, myself, and Doug for the amazing ride that was Doug Burgum's 2024 campaign for the president, let me clear the air a little bit about what it means to feel the Burgum because perhaps you felt it in your life too, as we do. So to put it simply, to feel the Burgum is to feel fired up and motivated about something, anything that fills you with energy and momentum, which is similar to what we watched happen in the historic 2024 presidential campaign of North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Just a long roundabout way of saying that, Kevin, it's your week. What are you feeling the Burgum about this week? So I'll just add on the end there. One might say that feeling the Burgum is something that fills you with the energy and Burgamentum, like the Burgum campaign of 2024. Love it. But anyway, jokes aside there, I am feeling the Burgum this week about George Santos. And so as we know, George Santos, disgraced congressman, scam artist, liar, drag queen, whatever you want to call the man, um, fake Jew. I don't know what else there is really to call him. Cameo celebrity. Yeah, cameo celebrity. So he was ousted from Congress recently, if you're not aware, voted out of Congress, expelled from Congress. And since then, he has paradoxically, I guess, been in the spotlight, largely, I think, because people are willing to throw money at his cameo because he's this goofy character who we all kind of lived through in American democracy. And recently, I think I think this is today as of when we're recording, but it'll be a few days ago from when people listen to this. A comedian, and I think I'm saying this right, named Z-Way, has interviewed George Santos, done this very, it kind of went viral, this interview with George Santos in which she asked him all these kind of petty and a little bit, what's the word? But yeah, she asked him all these petty questions and kind of insults him and stuff. And it's it's a very funny interview. I, I haven't watched the whole thing just yet, but I've been kind of picking at it a little bit. And I just want to say, I do think there's a sense here in which George Santos, in the form of meme, has been able to reform his character and has been somebody that people now actually kind of like and they're throwing money at. And I do just want to note, right, this guy is a scam artist. He is a bad person. He probably should be in prison. I don't know if he will go to prison for any of the things he's done, but I think it's it's worth noting that this is just a very bad dude who I think should probably disappear from polite society because of the the stuff he's done to people. And I noticed this back when there was the second speakership fight, which, you know, try to keep tracking your mind of which one that was. But when there was the second speakership fight, he was making all these meme tweets about how, oh, he's actually the speaker, blah, 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 because, you know, there was this whole thing where he had lied about so many things that people were were wondering what's going to be the next thing that we're going to find out he lied about. And, you know, lots of people were retweeting this, laughing at it. I retweeted it at the time. I thought it was funny at the time. But I do think that there's the sense here in which this guy who is a very bad person is using the art format of a meme to basically reform his character when he hasn't done anything to deserve that reformation and to deserve our respect as people. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm feeling the Bergam about this week. I think we should just eject George Santos, not just from Congress, but from polite society completely. 
I don't think he should be in the public eye anymore. I don't think we should be giving this guy attention. I don't even know how I feel about this interview with this comedian, since I think it's probably a net win for him, even though he gets insulted the entire time. Well, exactly. Because if um, I could jump in, yeah. like I remember the one thing she says is like, how do we get rid of you? Well, the answer is by not having him on your show and doing an extended interview with him. That's how. I mean, he's running another con and we're all falling for it again, easily. We want to fall for it. Yeah, exactly. And not that I think George Santos has the charisma to pull off like a Trump style presidential run or something. But this is exactly what happened with Trump, right? Is everybody thought it was funny. Everybody laughed at it. And turns out that all of that mockery and humor actually played to Trump's strengths. It's And this is what's happening here. It plays right into George Santos's strength. There's no way George Santos could walk into that interview and lose. So I just think it's a huge mistake to be parading this guy around and turning him into a clown that we all laugh at. And then he walks away with big pockets full of change. So, but for what it's those worth, are my thoughts. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, if you do wind up paying for his special, do it through PayPal or something like that. Like, don't give this guy your credit card information because he will use it to run away with your money. So, like, True. this is America, this is a free country. As of right now. <laughs> um, yeah, true. This dude, if he puts out a comedy special and you buy it with your credit card and he runs away with your money, just don't come crying to us. Yeah, and I will I will slap on the end here. I say this as someone who thinks the George Santos saga was easily one of the funniest things that ever happened in American history. It was absolutely hilarious. And it was this great unfolding thing that we all watched together where we found out new information about him, new lies that he had told, new scams that he had done. But I just, you know, I just think we should be wary of basically welcoming this guy back into the fold. All right. And that was feeling the Burgum in memory of Doug Burgum. So folks, that's about it for our weekly show. We will talk to you in the new year. Everybody have a happy holiday season. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will Talk to you when we talk to you. Before you head out, feel free to subscribe and rate us. Leave a friendly comment on the way out. It really helps the podcast when you do. And if you enjoy what we're doing, you can find our Twitter or Instagram in the description below. We'll keep you updated about the show, and we'll also fill your feed with plenty of good old-fashioned memes. Follow us on Facebook as well if you're a Facebook person. Just type The Almost Presidents Podcast into that search bar. And lastly, you can write into the show. Our Gmail is the Almost Presidents Podcast at gmail.com, which you can also find in the description.